I'm J.V. Torres from The Rise of King Asylus, and you're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. This is an Adventureland Media Production. The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for parental guidance. In the world has gone to war on two fronts. The fates of nations have been thrown into the winds of history. In Southern California, a team of ex-flying Tiger pilots have come together as a request from the President of the United States. Their job? To use their special military skills to protect the American people from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Together, they are the terrors of the skies. This is the story of The Lost Tigers. Tonight's episode, The Mission Guardian. Tonight... We rejoin our program in the middle of the South Pacific on a hot August morning in 1942. America's part in World War II began on the Guadalcanal campaign as the U.S. forces worked to push back the Japanese before they could invade Australia. Fresh from his duties in China and back in the U.S. Marines once again, Diego Garcia and his new team were given the objective of denying the use of the Solomon Islands. The goal was to threaten the supply routes between the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand used by the Japanese. The Allies also intended to use Guadalcanal as a base to eventually capture, or at least neutralize, the airfield on the island. U.S. naval forces supported the landings of 16,000 Allied forces, including Gunny's 1st Battalion that summer morning, bombing the invasion beaches with gusto. General Vandegrift ordered his forces ashore near Coley Point, and Diego stood ready with his men. Gunny and his tough mortar crew headed down to the assault boats, and they were on their way. He was proud of his tough bunch, but he was also tired of fighting. His duties preparing the next wave of tigers a few months before had given him a brief break. I gave up teaching pilots in China for this? Well... At least the enemy fighting wasn't hand-to-hand up in the blue skies. You're back in the good old U.S. Marines now, Gunny. Hoo-yah! And happy to be one of the few the proud, too. Especially with amigos like you boys under my command. The master of the ship gave the command to go over the side, and Gunny hoisted his equipment, lurched to his feet, and went to the side of the ship to look down into the tropical lagoon. The landing boats bobbed in the waves below. I always hated going down these nets back in training. I got my foot stuck once and fell backwards in full gears. Took three guys ten minutes to get me out of that situation. Yes, sir. Let me help you into your seat. I got it. You think I'm too old to get into it myself, Marine? Here, hold this mortar tube for a minute. No insult intended, sir. You are in your thirties. That's old by military standards. Well, there's a lot of hot sauce left in me yet, kid. Thanks for your concern. Yes, Gunny. All right, Marines, here we go. Stay low until we get to the beach. 
These M1 helmets are not bulletproof. Yeah, Gunny. Okay, okay, you guys. Stop forcing around. It's pretty crowded for room in the boats, guys, but the Sarge says to quit moving around so much. Get off my boondocker, you knucklehead, and sit down. You're rocking the boat. Sorry, sir. I lost feeling in my foot. I was trying to rub it. Pipe down, you grunts. What do you think this is, the Queen Mary? Shut up, both of you. I don't come halfway around the world to... Well, I'll be a... What's the matter, Sarge? Now <laughs> my foot's asleep. Great. You know what that means? Now it's going to be up all night. <laughs> the boat drove into the shallows and ground to a stop with a wallop that threatened to loosen all Diego's teeth. He hadn't seen the action like this since boot camp in San Diego. The men piled over the side and found themselves under sporadic attack on the enemy beach. After getting off the beach, the division split and Gunny took his weapons company off into the jungle with mortars and machine guns shouldered. Their orders were to head inland, looking for the airfield. Sporadic sniper fire slowed their advance, but it was clear that there was no real opposition to their mission. Gunny's mortar platoon cut their way inland till they reached a small hill. There they took up positions and dug in. Gunny ordered the platoon to set up the heavy mortars, checking his maps against the surrounding terrain. The Japanese runway was just below. Alright boys, set up the mortars at regular intervals all along this ridge. Maximum range is 6,500 yards. First squad, forward to 1,500. Let's set it up, men! Left three! Left three! All batteries, one round, high explosive. Ready one round, HEM3. Fire. Fire! They are. Up, four turns. Up four. Fire. Fire. All morning long, Diego had his men struggling to get the range of the Japanese positions. Their mortars searching through the rolling jungle above the airfield they so desperately had to capture. The enemy never took the bait. Perhaps the intel was wrong and there were no Axis soldiers in the area. It was quiet for hours before Gunny decided to knock off for lunch with his men in camp. All right, you pansies, getting over to the food. And slave over a hot grill and get you nothing to eat. Don't wipe the bugs off that protein. You need it. Your arms are any skinnier, I'd floss my teeth with them. Pass me some sand, kid. Here's the sugar, Pappy. Quiet this morning, eh, Gunny? I thought there were enemy soldiers out there. Well, they must be running out of ammo. Haven't had anyone shoot back in hours. Well, I'm not complaining, mind you. I don't know. Helps a day go faster when they shoot back. At least we know where they are. Hey, Cookie! Yeah, Gunny? What you cooking for us this afternoon? Well, tonight we'll be starting off with portobello mushroom bisque appetizers. Then we will move on to the house speciality. Strawberry sage barbecue duck breast. Or would you prefer some bit roasted prime rib with ranch-style black beans? Okay, all right, no need to get smart. I was at least hoping for some tortillas and arroz. You know, there's probably a lot of rice in this island. Well, I haven't seen any yet, your highness. You'll eat what I can come up with. And what is that? Creamed chip beef. 
I'd just as soon have a couple of snipers taking pot shots at me as eat any more of this stuff. Heck, with the Japanese, you at least got a 50-50 chance of survival. What is that you're saying? Nothing, Cookie. Just saying I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some action sometime today. We got the IJA Infantry Regiment bottled up in there beyond that second hill. They must be getting desperate, running low on ammunition. Reports say that the enemy patrols are assigning two to three men to each rifle. Can you believe that? That's a pretty good sign that they're on their last legs. Now get back over here. No, you can't take the plate back with you to your tent. Big more ants. You seen the ants around here? Dump them in chocolate and sell them as goobers. Ha ha. Sniper, get your heads down. Don't want to get them blown off. Looks like there's a reception committee waiting for us out there. You were right about us seeing action, Gunny. I learned a lot about their ways while shooting them down in China. And here I am, the guy who said that they're running out of ammunition. What are we going to do? Don't know about you, but I'm going to have some of that delicious corned beef while I have a chance. When I said action, I mean an infantry charge. Not annoying little pot shots. As darkness began to fall on the jungle-covered island, Diego once again decided to see if he could flush out the Japanese troops. He set up his lines and poured over the map with his staff sergeant. Now this is our position, marked right over here. These are our main lines where we just came from. Off to the right of the map is our objective. Now, if you look down there, you can just about make out the airfield. The other Marines are going after the airfield soon, and we need to make sure they aren't going to be attacked from above. I understand, sir. Now, I think there's a nest just beyond the fringe of the palm trees, right over there. I don't see anything. It's more than just a jungle out there, kid. You have to really look close. Notice that little clearing that looks like a plantation? Yes, sir. There's a little gully there that the Japanese have been using as a command post. Our reconnaissance plane spotted it yesterday. That's how I knew to get us up here to this location. Yeah, but how did you find it just now? That's a lot of green out there. You see, the enemy were bathing but made a mistake of hanging their underwear out to dry and I spotted it at lunch. Now we're going to give them a real cleaning. Yes, sir. All right, ready with the mortar, Staff Sergeant. Machine gun squad, it's time to earn your pay. Get set up in front. Okay, gunnery sergeant. Commence when ready. Okay. Reference point is the head of the gully. Number one mortar. Defection, zero. Range, seven five zero. Two rounds, HE. Ready, sir. Fire! Fire! Down four turns. Fire! Down four turns. Fire! Are we hitting anything? I can't tell with all the dust and debris. See the dark patch in the jungle near the palm trees? Wait for the mortar shells to hit. Watch the blossom of smoke and debris from the first shell. When it settles, you'll see what we hit. You are right on, sir. That's amazing. All right, continue. All batteries, up four turns. Searching forward to 1,000 HEs. Commence firing. Commence firing. Wow, that was close. All right, boys, let's keep it going. All right, they're shooting back now. Everyone, incoming. Put your heads down. The long-hidden Japanese troops tried to return fire, but were knocked out by the bombardment from Gunny's platoon. The warrior code of Bushido demanded that they not give up. So at last, the attack didn't force out of the troops. 
The darkness was cut through with flares as the two forces were joined in battle. All night the Japanese attacked furiously and kept up wave after wave of bonsai attacks till dawn. When the hot sun finally lifted clear of the smoking jungle, the machine gun fire and mortar attacks had ceased. The weapons platoon counted over 200 dead. Gunny sat down on a tree stump to rest as a tall, nicely dressed officer strode into camp with his men. Diego recognized him at once as the head of the whole operation, Brigadier General Vendegrift. He snapped to attention as a superior officer approached through the carnage. I hear you're a bona fide hero, Gunnery Sergeant Garcia. The airfield is secure. Basalone did the same at Alligator Creek with his machine guns. Because of people like you, we're going to push the Japanese back and take this island. This could be a turning point of the war. Thank you, Major General. I understand you're spot on with your mortars. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? On our family vineyards near Stag's Leap in Napa Valley. Man, my buddy and I love to shoot guns. Anything we could get our hands on. You're a native Californian, eh? Yeah, my parents are from Guanajuato, Mexico, though. Bought a small vineyard in the wine country and turned it into a profitable business by providing wine to the California mission chains. Of Mexican heritage, just like Colonel Sabater. Camp Pendleton trained, I take it? Yes, sir. Well, if we had any more like you at home, we'd have a chance at winning this conflict. First an AVG ace, and now a hero of Guadalcanal. Quite the man we have in you, Gunny. A few more days out here, and we'll give you some R&R on the fleet. Thank you, sir. I need it. Haven't had a break of any kind since being transferred out of China to New Zealand to prepare for this campaign. Gunny recalled those horrible days a year before while doing the one thing that helped him forget the most, racing. He gripped the control stick with white knuckles while piloting his GB sports plane low over the orchards of northern Orange County. And I finally got that break just in time. My unit was the first Marines went into battle in Cape Gloucester, Peleliu, and Okinawa. I was pulled back to the States before those bloody battles to travel around the world in the war bond tour. Very boring. And at the end of that, I was given an honorable discharge and returned to my family business. Though, I would have preferred to remain with my division. So is that why they call you a hero of Guadalcanal? Yeah, kind of silly, huh? I just did my job, that's all. Not at all. I'm sure your men adored you. I doubt that. That was a hard ass. Sorry I never told this story before. We tend to not want to talk about the events that happened while we were still in active duty. I second that. We had to do an awful lot of unpleasant things over there. But we might again. We are back in service now, you know. Not today. I'm off duty. Thought I would take the GB out for a spin. Flying over Anaheim, I think. There's a lot of oranges down there. Plenty of room for growth. Not me, chap. Your idea of a restful day is to go flying. That is his idea of rest, old man. Diego likes more than fast aircraft, fast cars, fast motorcycles, and, and apparently fast women. Let's not forget that. Ah, nuts. Yeah, let's not let me forget that. 
Shall we? I'm just busting your chops, Gunny. Come on, show a little backbone, will ya? You're not sore at me? Nah, it's none of my beeswax who you spend your time with. Go out and live it up. Uh, uh, okay. What are you guys doing today anyways? I'm swinging low over to Hone Pass right now. Looking mighty pretty for a trip towards Bakersfield today. I just saw the barracks down there of Old Fort Tejon. I'm thinking I'm going to have to go visit there one day. Isn't that the old U.S. Army Dragoon base from the 1800s? Yeah, I believe they tried to use camels uh, for the patrols up there. Didn't quite work out, if I remember. Uh, where are you at, Ned? I'm just above Lancaster. Not too far from you, lad. I'm on patrol out over the coast above Santa Rosa Island in the Goose. I'm looking for anything out of the ordinary. I heard that. If you airbangers are quite finished tying up the airways, I have some information of importance for you. That's all we need. What's up, Blue Nose? Wait just a minute. Come on, relax, handsome. I'm just feeling like a wise guy today. It's fun to let loose now and then. Well, I hate to nix all the fun you're having, but our mole called with important information. I need you guys to act on it pronto. Hey, well, I'm already busy. One of your silly patrols. Hey, what do you know? I am as well. Wow, what a coincidence. Don't look at me. I'm off. Even though our resident experts here haven't been able to come up with any clues to the whereabouts of this hidden Chinese tomb... Sorry about that. I'm trying, you know. Not a lot of data in local libraries about Chinese fleets, you know. Even the local Indian legends say nothing of them. Anyway... The one Sir Scott planted in Magra's home has come through with bits of recorded information about the search for the tomb. Thank you very much. However, it is his head maid that has come through with the most information. It seems that the Imperial Japanese Army provided him with scrolls that told of a clue here in the Southland that would lead to the location of the tomb. Uh, do you think the information on these scrolls is credible? Many Chinese have died to bring us this information. Yes. Where might this clue be found? Sato believes the clue to be hidden in one of seven caves somewhere in the south. I've studied the reference, and the only place in Southern California with seven caves is down in La Jolla. Our mole says her boss left for La Jolla an hour ago. Sato rented a boat from the Oceanside Pier in San Diego, so he's got the lead. Well, that leaves us no time to try to catch up to him. My top speed is just over 350 miles per hour. I'm at least an hour north of Los Angeles and on low petrol. Sorry, I'm not much help either, lad, but I'll be down as fast as Penelope can carry me. Hear that ship pulled together. You'll never get there in time. Kate, just stay where you are. No use for a flying boat anyway. We need speed. Don't look at me. My aircraft has a top speed of 244 miles per hour. It may have been a record breaker back in its day, but it's a turtle compared to the big Allison and Pratt Whitney's you guys have under your hoods. That turtle between your knees is probably the closest to the target. I just got up here. Well, then you're the only one with a full tank of fuel. Sorry, buddy. Are you still in Orange County? <sighs> Quit beating your gums, boss. I'm in no condition to fly into battle. We're turning south, but, Gunny, you're closer to the target. We can't even get back your way for another 40 minutes at least. This is a racing plane. You're a lot closer than we are, buddy. <sighs> oh, all right. I'm on it. Turning south. Mission time in Anaheim. Gunny, are you armed? Of course. I have my pistol. I just don't sleep with mine under my pillow. Hey, uh, good luck. We'll be right behind you. Diego turned his tiny black and white GB Sportster southeast and flew off into the morning. His 500 horsepower Wasp engine roaring above the hill-swept coast. He could see the sweep of the Southern California border spreading out on the horizon beyond, calling to him. 
to his first solo adventure as a tiger. Nope, no thank you. I don't have enough time. I'm landing on Tory Pines Road. What was that? Gunny slowed his barrel-shaped monoplane sportster down, lowered his flaps, and lined up over the seaside from the street. A quick glance out the tiny cockpit bubble showed the street to be clear of automobiles. He carefully brought the racer in for a landing. A young woman emerged from a small shop and watched in surprise as the loud aircraft taxied down the street and pulled right up into the parking lot of her store before shutting the engine down. Hey, buddy, did you run out of gas or something? No. I'm looking for La Jolla Cays on the coast road. Well, you could have just drove here. Never had a racing plane drive up to my front door before. Oh, well, where's the fun in that? Come me out of here, will ya? Just pull the top off. Thanks. Yank hard. Sure, buddy. Just pull straight up. There you go. Thanks, doll. Boy, that's a tight fit. How'd you get into that thing? Seeing I'm fat? No, no, sorry. It's just that the cockpit is so small. I love these things, but I feel claustrophobic. <laughs> I love this one. It has an interesting story, but I don't have time to tell you right now. Is there a way into the sea caves around here other than swimming? Well, without a boat, there's only one way to get into the caves, and that's through my cave store here. This cave can only be seen by climbing down a stairway and through a tunnel. I'm trying to make a bigger tourist attraction a bit, but with the war on, nobody has the money to come visit. I even have a cafe inside, so it's a little known. Little known, huh? Excellent. You're crazy, mister. <laughs> you don't know the half of it. Well, I'm here to visit. Which, which cave is this? Sunny Jim's cave. The name was given by Frank Baum. You know, the guy who wrote the Wizard of Oz stories? Apparently, this was due to the shape of the cave's opening. Looking outward from the inside of the cave entrance resembles a cartoon mascot for British Force Wheat cereal. <laughs> Big imaginations, those Brits. I'll say. Can we go in? Sure, right this way. La Jolla Shell Shop, huh? Hey, any history with the Chinese immigrants in this state? Among other things. I understand these caves were once used to hide Chinese workers heading out west to work the railroads. They were used to smuggle alcohol during the Prohibition, too. Nice place. How much for a visit? Since you flew all this way, just a buck. How much is it normally? A buck. <laughs> oh, boy. Here you go. Here's a fiver. Live it up. Hey, thanks, buddy. You know... You're all right. I just can't believe you really parked a Granville Brothers Sportster E on my doorstep just to visit a sea cave. Well, what can I say? I'm a sucker for roadside Americana. Has anyone else been here today? Just a lady and her two kids, unfortunately. That is unfortunate. Right through that door and follow the sounds of the waves. Not a lot to see, but there are a lot of neat formations in the sandstones before you get to the bottom. Thanks. With that, the gunnery sergeant moved down the rickety wooden steps into the earth beneath the San Diego coastline. As he neared the watery grotto, he knew he was too late. Upon hearing the sound of digging, he drew his forty-five automatic, hugged the shadows, and approached his quarry. There, standing in the shallows, he recognized Colonel Sato digging away at the loose tunnel wall with the bayonet. The former imposter from Singapore methodically excavated a hole beneath a crudely painted red dragon on the cave strata. 
Gunny watched as he pulled a rotten sack from the wet soil in the wall and removed a small ruddy disc made of metal. Sato rinsed it off in the seawater and held it up to the light. It looked like a huge version of a Chinese coin covered with calligraphy characters. Diego knew he was looking at the clue Awal had talked of earlier, and there was no way he was going to let his enemy have it. He leveled his colt at the officer. All right, Colonel, hand it over. Who are you? Where did you come from? Well, my mother and father fell in love in Mexico, and, you know, nine months later... No, you idiot! I took the easy way down. I used the door. There's a door? You're one of those lost tigers. How'd you get here? I just flew in. Now hand it over. Not in your life, which I will gladly end now if you don't put down your gun. What's wrong? Out of ammo? Out of patience. Now back off. Oh, no you don't. What are you doing? You will tip us over and lose this artifact. I have plenty of ammo. Just hand it over. You're not going anywhere. I have a hold of the back of your boat. Well, let's go, or you're going to taste the steel of a Japanese bayonet. Now look what you made me do. I dropped the artifact. <laughs> I have it now. Thank you for finding this for us. Please give the coin back. This thing is bigger than both of us, Gaijin. Well, it won't matter to you. You'll be in federal prison. Now, hands up. Fine, you have me, except for one small detail. What's that? You're standing against my propeller. took off my levels. Sato flew from the cave in his rented boat. Looking up, he had just enough time to see two American fighters bearing down on him out of the sun. I'm beginning to like these upstarts plus and plus. a boat. It's emerging from the caves just down below. Oh, it's Sato, that bastard. Get him, old man. I'm right under ten. In seconds, the pair of fighters riddled the small speedboat with bullets, and it flew to pieces under the combined firepower of the Tigers. Sato was nowhere to be seen. I think you got him, Ned. I don't see anything now. I don't see anything else either. Unseen by the two passing pilots, Colonel Sato had indeed taken a deep plunge into the dark surf. He shook his fist at the departing ship, his respectful face red with fury. He had escaped their first assault on his power, and he vowed to take the fledgling team more seriously in the future. Back at home in his Japanese compound above Santa Monica, Sato soaked with Soraya in his gardens under the moonlight, nursing his cuts and bruises with an angry scowl. His first clue to the now not-so-secret mission had been taken from him. 
What happened, Sato-sama? The tigers got there and took the coin I dug out of that dank sea cave with my bare hands, then shot the rental out from under me. That is odd. Good thing my father was a fisherman off the Kunisaki Peninsula of Ota. I learned to swim from the age of seven. Yes, good thing. In addition, it is also a good thing I was born with a photographic memory. I know exactly what both sides of the coin looks like. I could do more with that information with my vast resources than that team of misfits can ever hope to achieve. I believe you will. So the question remains, how did they know to come to that particular cave? That is a mystery. I would hate to think a member of my personal staff could betray me. It could have been anyone. One of my men? That Shiatsu master from Hollywood, perhaps. One of my drivers? That would be unfortunate if it were so. Yes, for the trader as well as for the trader's entire family. The whole family? You know, you are a very lucky young lady. Not many have the opportunity to serve the emperor in such a pampered fashion. Sipping warm sake in the evening shadows with coyotes to serenade you. Your family is part of a vassal state under the flag of the rising sun. Yes, that is the only way to make sure of the loyalty of my servants. If I find out who it might have been, my justice will be swift and sure. Yes, master. Stay tuned next time as the history of Major Will comes to light. How will his experience bring them closer to finding the clues that will lead them to the tomb before the enemy does? Remember, now is the time to join the fight. Whenever the enemy threatens our freedom, wherever liberty lies in the shadows, however difficult the mission, the Lost Tigers will be there. The Lost Tigers, The Shadow of Evil is a non-profit production and a fan fiction. A celebration of all the writings, films, and audio of great adventurers throughout time. All music and sound effects belong to their originators. No copyright infringing claims are intended. Stay tuned next time as the history of Major Will comes to light. How will his experience bring them closer to finding the clues that will lead them to the tomb before the enemy does? Remember, now is the time to join the fight. Whenever the enemy threatens our freedom, wherever liberty lies in the shadows, however difficult the mission, the Lost Tigers will be there. This Adventureland Media production was created by Alan Douglas and Renee Garcia. Written by Alan Douglas, directed by Renee Garcia. Vocal effects, mixing, and music by Alan Douglas. Opening music by RoyaltyFreeMusic.com. Special thanks to associate producers Ian Branson and Brian Kinoshita. And to Daniel Shippey for cover art design. Copyright 2012. This Lost Tigers radio drama featured the voice talents of Steven Tyler as the narrator, Renee Garcia as Gunny Garcia, Alan Douglas as Major Will, Jennifer Grafton as Kissimmee Kate, Dan Shippey as Shrunken Head Ned, 
Jason Sasaki as Colonel Sato. Daryl Lansing as Dr. Dunford. Soraya Vildefordorsi as Princess Soraya. Dan Cervantes as Major General Vandegrift. Hussein Urbina as Flight Control. Rachel Herberstadt as the shop owner. Ezekiel Gutierrez as the United States Marine Corps Staff Sergeant. Ben Young as the United States Marine Corps Corporal. Scotty Morrison as United States Marine Corps Cookie. Hi, I'm Persephone Rose, executive producer for Postal Roach and the creator of Emperor Pigs. I'm a huge fan of audio drama. And if you're listening to this right now, I've got a sneaking suspicion you might be too. So make sure your headphones are plugged in tight because you're going to want to hear this. From July 24th through the 26th in 2020, producers, directors, composers, writers, actors, technicians, and fans of audio drama are gathering together for the world's first international modern audio drama convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia. This is going to be amazing. If you like panels, there's going to be panels. Workshops, they've got them. Studio sessions, swag events, live performances... And most importantly, all your favorite creators are going to be there. You can get all the details and purchase your tickets online at www.madcon.com. That's M-A-D hyphen C-O-N dot com. See you at Madcon. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. Together.